The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Transmitting from WebmasterRadio.fm, World Headquarters in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Get ready to tap into the minds of the founding fathers of SEO. Rocket, rocket to the next generation of search engine optimization 3.0 with traffic that will put your website into a head-on collision. Decades of combined SEO expertise give their take on the world of SEO and give you free expert advice with their weekly site clinic. Now, here are the princes of PageRank, the heroes of HTML, the sultans of search, the SEO, SEO rock stars. Hello, everyone. This is Brasco. Welcome to another edition of SEO Rockstars. This episode comes to you on location from AFCON 2010 in Denver. And uh, Darren Babin, a.k.a. SE Guru, is hosting the annual Black Hat, White Hat SEO panel. Or as he prefers to call it, Shades of Grey. Now on this panel, he of course moderates and he has the panelists which include Marshall Simmons, the Chief Search Strategist of Defiant Search Strategies and the New York Times the host of SEO 101 and the director of organic search at MediaWiz, John Carcutt, and the president of Submit Express, Pierre Zerokian. And here is that panel. Let's let's go ahead and start with Pierre. I'd like to take and rewind the clock a little bit because I, I find this fairly humorous that you were willing to spend many thousands of dollars and actually put it up to bribe Matt Cutts, did you not? True. Okay, so t- tell me tell me what happened. Okay, so this is back in around 2001. It was the Wild Wild West in the SEO world. Everybody was doing anything possible to get rankings. Google didn't have any criteria what was okay to do and what was not okay to do. So we were we were cross-linking all our clients to each other. We were doing redirections, all kinds of stuff. And we were getting amazing rankings for our clients. You know, I mean, no problems. But one day we wake up and about 300 sites were banned from Google. We, did, we really didn't know what happened. And it wasn't only us. Around that time, a lot of people got penalized. So apparently, Google just started putting some human reviewers and they were reviewing websites and penalizing them depending on what they were doing. A couple of days passed, and a couple of our clients actually got an email from Matt Cutts saying that something we did got them penalized, and if they clean it up, they would get back in the results. And the way actually Google figured out it was us because uh, was because on the bottom of the link pages we would have our link too, search engine optimization by Submit Express. So this is when nobody knew who Matt Cutts was. 2001, so I picked up the phone. To clarify, does everybody in this room know who Matt Cutts is? Okay, so let's let's lay that foundation. Matt Cutts is in charge of Google's spam team, okay? So this guy carries a big stick over there. MattCutts.com is his blog, if you guys want to check it out. So 
Yeah, so I picked up the phone, called him, and uh, introduced myself. I said, you know, one of our clients, a couple of our clients got this email. What can we do to clean it up? I said, you know, it was very nice. I said, you know, if you clean up all this stuff, we'll put you back. And it's basically the link pages we're concerned about and the redirections that you're doing. Basically, we had redirections where we would stuff keywords on the page where it wouldn't be visible to the search engines. Well, it would be visible to the search engines, but not the users. So when the users would land on the page, it would do a redirect, go to a secondary page. So we were able to put keywords on there without modifying the actual client's website, which the clients loved it because we didn't have to modify anything on their sites. Everything was hidden. But apparently Google didn't like that idea. So, uh, and then we would have link pages cross-link a lot of clients to each other's form a link page. That helped too because you get... Link farm. Link farms, yeah. So those were what uh, they were concerned about. He was like, if you clean this up, we'll put them back in. I said, okay, give us two or three weeks to do this and we'll get back to you. So we spent two or three weeks. We had about 300 sites. Some of them were our sites. Our main website was even penalized. We were, at that time, we were ranking number one for search engine optimization. And that had a big effect on our business, just not having that ranking. We were losing so many leads. So we weren't actually able to clean up everything because some of our clients had canceled. So we, we no longer had access to them. Some of them weren't being responsive. We would send them the files, and they weren't uploading them. So maybe we were able to clean up about 30% of this. And I went back to Matt Cott and I said, hey, we cleaned up 30%. Can you put at least this site in there until we clean up the rest? And he's like, no, we can't do that. We have to clean everybody. And I said, well, some of the clients are canceled. We can't really do anything about it. He's like, well, you have to do it. Otherwise, we're not going to put you back in. So we went back. We started contacting some more clients. And you know, even the canceled ones, we emailed them. We asked them to remove it. A few of them removed it, and maybe we were to 40%, 45% now. And we were kind of stuck. We couldn't do anything else. So I went back to Matt. I said, you know, we can't really do any more, more than this. He's like, well, I can't put you back in unless you clean everything. So we were kind of stuck. We didn't know what to do. One of our clients who had an office in our building, he was a hotel affiliate, actually. He said, why don't you give me Matt's number? Let me talk to him about my site directly. Maybe he'll put me back in. So he talked to him directly, and his site got back in within a couple of weeks. And then he came to me, and he talked to Matt a bunch of times, maybe two, three times, and then he came to me, he's like, I get an idea from Matt that we might be able to pay him some money to put your sites back in, because he kind of mentioned some stuff. And so, well, I mean, I, at this point, I really have no choice. See, if you want to talk to him about that, uh, see what he will say. Sorry about that. So, uh, he talks to Matt, comes back to me and says, Matt tells me that he usually does, does this for about twenty to 30K for clients. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of 20 money. 20 to 30,000. Yeah, and I'm like, I can't afford that kind of money. Like, how about offering him 5,000? Why don't you go back to him, say 5,000, see what he will say. So I'm giving you guys actually the short version of this story. The longer version is on Webmaster Radio about a couple of months ago. Darren did an interview. The long version is there, and it's really funny if you listen to the whole thing, but I'm trying to do the five, ten-minute version right now because of our short time here. So um, basically, it comes back to me. The middle guy comes back to me and says, you know, he says he can do it for $12,000. And I do some thinking, and I'm like, some of our clients had already stopped paying us. At that time, we were charging anywhere from $500 a month to $1,000 a month for our services. And 
we had so many clients already affected by this that I did the math and I said, you know, if, you know, if all these clients figure out what's going on, stop paying us, we're going to lose thousands of dollars a month. So even we're not getting any more leads, so let's just do it. So basically, he came back to me and said, you know, he wants 7000 upfront and 5000 afterwards. He doesn't want to talk to you directly. He wants to go through me, and you have to pay the money in cash. So I said, okay, fine. Anybody seeing where this is going? <laughs> so, and I said, well, I kind of need to verify it. I'm really talking to him. How do I know it's him? You know, can you get at least an email address so I can talk to him? So he gives me a Hotmail email account. I emailed Matt directly at the Hotmail account, and I asked him a bunch of technical questions just to verify it's him. And everything I asked him comes back with the correct answers. So I was convinced it was him. So I sent $7,000 to, to Matt through this guy, buy uh, flight tickets to San Francisco, went up there and met him in person, and gave him the cash, came back, and, you know, so... But maybe about a few weeks passes and nothing's listed. And, you know, I go to Matt via email, say, what's going on? And he, every time he brings up excuses why it's not listed, first time it was like, well, we have But you're emailing going, the Hotmail account. Yeah, through right. the Hotmail yeah. account. He was telling me that, hey, uh, we're doing a deal with AOL and all my time is being affected by this, so it's going to take another month. Another month passes, go, go back to him, what's going on? He's like, well, I'm being watched by management, and uh, like, I can't really do anything. I need to pay off more people, and you know, just I, I'm gonna need the rest of the five thousand now before I put your sites in. I'm like, okay, fine. I send the five thousand to him, and again, a month passes, nothing is happening. You know, nothing, nothing is happening through the regular channels, and nothing is happening through this. And I'm like, what's going on? And and uh, the middle guy. Sometimes we'll make a call to Matt Cuts right in front of me, but, and he would like make calls and like, Matt, what's going on, this and that, and he would tell me what's going on. And everything was believable. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, every, all the excuses that he would give me were legit excuses. And then got to a point where it's like, well, I need $10,000 more to do, to do this. Because I'm being washed, I'm, I gotta pay off my managers. So I say, hell with it, let's do it. Because it was actually, he wasn't gonna refund my money, whatever I paid, and I was kind of stuck. I'm like, I have no choice. So $22,000 now uh, that I've already paid, and nothing's happening, and now I see there's a SES show coming up in San Jose, and Matt Cutt is gonna be speaking for the first time in public. And I email Matt, and I say, hey, I'm gonna be coming down to San Francisco, talk to you in person. He's like, okay, fine. You know, when you come there, talk to me. Let's meet up at the Starbucks around the corner, but don't talk to me in person because I'm being videotaped and people are following me. I don't want to be seen with you. I said, okay, fine. I show up at 10 p.m. at the Starbucks and wait about an hour. He doesn't show up. So next day, after he's done with the session, I go up to him and say, hey, Matt, can we talk outside? He's like, sure. So he comes outside, and I'm like, do you know who I am? He's looking at me. He's like, no, who are you? I'm like, look, it's Pierre from Submit Express. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember now. Why don't you email me your website again? I'll take a look. And I'm like, Matt, cut the bullshit. I get really pissed off. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like looking at me weird. And I'm like, look, maybe you don't want to talk to me in front of the people here. Why don't we go outside in the parking lot? He's like, sure, let's go outside in the parking lot. <laughs> 
So I'm surprised that he's actually coming outside in the parking lot because in the email he told me he's being followed, he's being watched, and people are videotaping him, and he didn't want to talk to me in person. So we go in the parking lot. I end up talking to him for 10, 15 minutes. I was really pissed off. I started cussing at him. And, and he's like, what are you talking about? Are you implying that somebody paid someone in Google some money to get your sites in? I'm like, you know what I'm talking about. And he, was basi- he basically denied everything that he had nothing to do with this. And, you know, so I'm thinking, what's going on here? This guy really conned me. He took the money, and he's not going to get them listed. And said, okay, whatever. You know, I'll just talk to you via email. I think you're afraid to talk to me right here. You think somebody is watching us. So I do some more thinking. I go back to LA, and I'm thinking about this. I'm like, what if the middle guy really conned me, and he took all this money and never paid him? So I got to do some investigation on this. So the bottom line is that's what happened. The middle guy conned me. He was really a good con artist. He would pick up the phone and pretend he's talking to Matt in front of me. He was an actor, and he was like, you know, just, and I fell for it, you know. So, so I take it you've not paid off any search engines recently. No. <laughs> so this never happened. So now, I was able to get the money back. That's the happy ending. I talked to a DA, and the DA is like, hey, we can get... Uh, this guy on fibers, on wire fraud, this and that. So I approached him. I said, hey, if I don't get the money back, you're going to jail. And I was able to get the money back. That's the happy ending. And then I ended up talking to Matt again. And we're in really good terms now. He ended up putting the sites back in. Everything ended up. And and you got your ranking back, right? Yeah, you got the rankings back. (laughs) So the moral of the story here. I told Matt what happened. So I told Matt what happened. And actually, when I called him and to talk to him directly, Matt's like, you have to talk to my legal department. I'm not allowed to talk to you anymore. <laughs> and then I was supposed to talk on a session against Matt Cotts on the next SES, and he didn't want to be on the same session with me. That's about two, three months after that, but, you know, afterwards everything was fine. I don't think I should be up here with you. <laughs> so now, now we're cool. Every time Ty's I see him, hey, like five, and now we're cool. But, you know, he knows what really happened, so... So, so I, I'm, I'm going to say this, right? These, these, both of these gentlemen, are you first gen or are you second gen? First, first gen. Okay, so you're, you're staring at four first generation search people here. Now, yes, we should all know better. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And he was about as desperate as, as it got. If you find yourself with your back against the wall, and you have some search charlatan in front of you telling you they can guarantee you that they can get you listed. I'm sorry. They don't own the engines and they cannot guarantee you anything for any price. Do not write the check, people. Don't do it. it, it it's, it's a pitfall. There are people out there who are very good at this scam and it works. Peter fell into it. And, and trust me, you guys should listen to the entire story on WMR because it's, it's truly hysterical. We're going to stop the proceedings real quick for a commercial break. But when we come back, more of the Black Hat and White Hat SEO panel on location for MAFCON 2010 in Denver after we come back. You're listening to the SEO Rockstars, exclusively on webmasterradio.fm. 
Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is AdMedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Our clients have earned over $1 billion. Now it's your turn. With over 20,000 products to promote across a huge variety of niches, ClickBank provides countless ways for any affiliate to make money. You can promote any product immediately. No contracts required. Looking for recurring commissions? Upsell products? ClickBank's got them. And best of all, you can make up to 75% commissions. Ready to become the next ClickBank success story? Sign up now for free at ClickBank.com. Did you know? 99designs is a leading marketplace for graphic design on the internet. Did you know? 99designs connects you to a community of over 35,000 designers who will compete to do the best work for you. Did you know? 99designs allows you to post projects for logo design, web page design, t-shirt design, and more. Did you know? 99designs projects the average of over 70 different design options for a price that you set. 99designs. When designers compete, you win. Watch your shopping cart overflow because you found the Ecom Experts. Ecom Experts, Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars exclusively on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. Here's more of that Black Hat White SEO panel from AFCON 2010 Denver here on SEO Rockstars. That is an example of someone digging down deep in desperation and taking a Black Hat approach to trying to get their own sites and client sites back into the index, okay? Now, Marshall, having been around for eons now, uh, Marshall has has faced all sorts of of things in the search arena. Um, Also was in charge over at about.com. Yeah, still. Still, okay. So, Marshall, give me one example of something that flew across your desk that you had to make a judgment call, clean, white, black, or somewhere gray? Well, I mean, we talked about, we've talked about recently um, <clears throat> that you were going to cut back on your crack smoking because I'm not, but clearly you, you have not. Because when, when Darren says that, that we manipulate algorithms, I, I, I don't. I'm not that smart. I'm unable to do that. But what I consider myself is a, just a patient educator. We have a, about 850 guides at about.com that span multiple topics. We've got the New York Times that we've, we've educated across the New York Times and the Boston Globe and the International Herald Tribune. 
anywhere between two to 5,000 people on just the basics of search engine optimization. Because what you're going to find is <clears throat> even though you know, they, they do have the, the stature or the prowess or the page rank that they do, uh, the New York Times and some of the other properties, it doesn't mean that anything that we put up is going to rank. And it doesn't mean that a good quality piece of content, breaking news, is going to get linked to. We have the same issues as maybe even a, a, a spam or black hat, gray hat, uh, a philosophical um, or strategy uh, person attempt or an agency does. And so it's, it's not, we, don't, we don't get to touch things and it turns to gold, meaning that it, it's going to rank. It's not that way at all. It, what it requires is constant education of these best practices because it's not everybody's first... Uh, it's not their first responsibility. They want to create content first. So that said, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's just about the fundamentals. It's about the best practices. It's about making sure that you have well-researched title tags, that you understand your audience, that you, have, that you have good call to action on the page, whatever that landing page may be. All these fundamental things that you can read about are still in existence, and they still are the same things that we were doing in 97. Now, granted, we're not manipulating anchor text as much as we were before, but that's still a part of the, of the process. We're not manipulating algorithms. We're doing what Google has asked us to do. So all that said is, you know, I think the biggest thing that has come up is Mayday. And a lot of you have, have heard of it, and it probably even took a hit from it. And we're still trying to figure out. I think when the dust settles, this is probably going to be one of the more major updates that we've seen in the last three or four years from Google. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. They took a shot at the long tail traffic. And that is majorly hitting e-commerce players right now. I mean, we're seeing 20% drops in traffic across the board and some major players out there. You can't create automated content anymore and have it just stick. It's not going to work. It has to be editorially curated. We, we knew that going in. And with any content network, any algorithm shift is going to change. So everybody comes screaming, what do we do, what do we do? And the bottom line is you don't do anything. You make sure that you have good, well-written content and you're going you're to bounce back eventually. So, Marshall, I love the way you word that with uh, manipulating anchor text in compliance. That's that's brilliant. This shirt is white, baby. <laughs> <There's a reason. laughs> Which, by the way, at SCS the last time we actually wore black and white cowboy hats, kind of like this guy right down here, David Ogletree. Now, John Carcut, um, give me an example of something that you have done in the past that you might not recommend for these people to do for themselves? <laughs> um, sit on one of your panels? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, there's so many. Where do you start? I mean, because when we started out years ago, things were just so much different. It wasn't, you didn't think of it as black at the time. It's like, this is what you do to get your rankings. And you look back, there's no way you do that today to try to get those same kind of things. Because it just evolves. And you have to evolve with it or you're going to find yourself in trouble. Um, things that we used to do in the past, you know, the obvious stuff, um, stuffing keywords in places. Um, I guess the things, the more recent stuff that I've stopped doing <laughs> is um, finding ways to compensate people for links. It's, it's still very prevalent, and it happens a lot, but I wouldn't recommend it, especially now. It's getting harder and harder to get away with it. Um, a good story that I, I tell occasionally is I had a client um, a number of years ago who was doing great. We've been working well together for a while. And all of a sudden, he called me up out of the blue and said, hey, what happened to my rankings? They're gone. All my traffic's gone. What's going on? 
So I say, okay, wait, step back. Let me go take a look at your site. So I look in. We didn't do anything to the site. Nothing's going on. I call him back and say, everything's the same. Did you do anything? And he said, no, I didn't do anything. Not at all. Digging a little bit in, I found out that he went to like a, somebody called him up like a cold call, and he ended up purchasing a bunch of links. Um, basically, he had a run-of-site link on newspapers for his celebrity psychic sites. And basically, overnight, he got like 30,000 inbound links to his site, and everything disappeared. They said, get rid of those links, get rid of them, take off, he canceled the account. Literally, three days later, he was back exactly where he was. So there was absolutely no doubt about it that buying those links hit him hard. And, you know, people are still trying to do it today, and I... I'm in a weird position because the company I work for also owns a company that, that um, if you're not familiar with TextLink's ads, MediaWiz owns TextLink's ads. So my bosses are probably going to kick me in the teeth when I get back, but <laughs> I'm trying, even with our you know, internal, just to change the, change the whole culture, even at, at TextLink's ads, to, you know, let's move away from being this link broker to being a link resource and do a lot more organic type link building for customers, even in TLA. And, you know, trying you to are listening way. to so, the SEO Rockstars exclusively on webmasterradio.fm. And we've stopped, or at least I have. Now, anyone in, in here buy links that you're willing to raise your hand? And I say that very, very carefully. Okay. Nobody but two people. And, and that was a half Hedger hand raise, sir. Okay, so um, there, there's the philosophy that Google has that they do not want you going out and buying links in bulk, okay? However, Matt, if you're watching this, why did you email me and tell me I should go and acquire more links? Please define the word acquire. How do you acquire links? Marshall, you earn white them, hat. You earn them over time. You write good content, and you, you reach out to the community, and you build links through the social media channels. You reach out, you be a good member, be a good member of the community. You use you use all the facets that are out there. You've got Twitter, you've got Facebook, you've got Reddit, you've got Newsvine, you've got Dig. You create relationships, and your good content. <clears throat> you become an authority or an expert in your space, and over time, as your community builds, they will link to your to your content. And links equals search ranking over time, and search rankings equals money. So you're saying that you, these people need to be patient and not necessarily pull the trigger. There's no with way cash. to there's no real way to trick the engines. I mean, unless you're really really good at what you do and and I suspect that without uh, um, a lot of technology and a lot of know-how and experience behind you, you're not going to trick the engines. Google loves to think. I mean, they've got teams of PhDs, and all their job is is to make sure that you're not tricking their engine. That's their job. And they do that in many different ways. And they're pretty good at identifying contextual analysis and relevancy of a page and if that link is related and where that link is going to. They're pretty good at following that. They also come in with different IP addresses. They come in using dial-up modems, for crying out loud, so they can get a true version of your page if you're trying to cloak or send a different version to an engine than you're trying to send to a browser. They're very sophisticated, and so you're always better off not trying to trick the engines because you're gonna get, they're going to get you in the end, and they're going to kick your side out, and they won't get back in. It's a bad place to be. All right, so I, I like to have all three of you weigh in on this, all right? I, I, I am self-admittedly a black hat, have been for years. However, 
I am also a now, white Now, let's get back to right? jamming and spamming with the SEO Rockstar, exclusively on WebmasterRadio.fm. And by manipulating the living hell out of how I'm trying to drive links to it, how I'm optimizing on the page, and some of the other things that I do, um, my philosophy is I'm helping those PhDs because when I exploit that engine and I find that hole and I'm ranking, guess what? I found the hole that those PhDs didn't know existed. Now, if I find that hole and they learn about it, they can then go fix that hole, which is inherently to fix it algorithmically, which is in turn to make the search experience better. So my philosophy is black hats need to coexist in search so we can help those PhDs see the things that they don't because it's my philosophy when you stand in a forest long enough you can't find the one tree you're trying to find Marshall wait a minute I got a question based on that Okay. when was the last time that the PhDs at Google found one of your holes you went all right, they found it. Good job. No, I always get pissed. <laughs> See? I always get pissed. But I'm, I'm always, now that there, my, my wife was just standing in the back, I, 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 of course, I'm going to sit there and tell them how I've exploited it. I show them how I did it, and guess what? 24 hours later, site's gone, right? Now, I'm willing to take that hit because I'm a part of that focus group, and I want them to know you could be exploited, and I'm doing it right now. So don't tell me I can't, right? Now, Marshall, where do you stand on that philosophy? Do, do, does, do the black, <laughs> don't get shocked there. Do the black hats? If, if that means that if, if, if you guys are out there to basically, um, well, if, if the result of that is things like Mayday, and, and that means a At one point, we were actually doing a lot of texting ads, and the same thing happened. Google came out and said, um, texting ads are not okay. Don't do it. Mm. They put up on their webmaster page. Whoever you know, they don't like texting ads, so we cut that uh, down a little bit. But you know what we do now is uh, texting ads obviously works. I know there's a lot of you out there doing it. There's some industries where you really have to do it because there's no other way to get the rankings. If you want to do it the natural way, it will take you a year or two years to get there. But texting ads just will get you there in a shorter period. So we, we tell our clients the pros and cons. We'll let them decide if they want to do it or not. Because there are some clients that come to us. They want the rankings in six months. The client choose whether or not to take a black hat approach? Yeah. Oh, okay. So we we'll tell gotcha. them the pros and cons. So you're still sitting on the panel saying you're black hat, right? I'm not saying I'm black hat. <laughs> it's, it's their choice. We tell them the pros and cons. I'm just checking, right? Pierre. Yeah. Just check it. So, so then, I mean, uh, well, even if you do it, you got to be careful. You, know? you, you don't go out there and buy links on a site that has uh, 50 links on a page. Or, you know, you want to be, be careful. Put, put it on a site that has maybe three links on it, and they look more natural. They're on target. They're relevant. You're not going out there and buying unrelevant links on just any site. You know, within the content is probably better. 
Yeah, so. I mean, look, people buy links. There's no doubt about it. And if you're going to do it, you better you better do it the right way. And by that, I mean some of the more reputable companies. And that's going to cost you a lot of money. There's the conductors of the world. There's the text link ads of the world. SEO Moz did a really good write-up of some of the better companies. And if you're going to do it, you might as well do it right and not burn yourself. Because, again, some of the smaller, lesser-known companies that are, that are doing, like Pure says, if they're doing 50 links or so on a page, that's when it's going to bite you. For sure. And, and I tell people that insist that I've got to do this, there's no way I can compete without it. I tell them, look at it from the perspective, it's if you launch a new site and you're trying to get traffic. Mm. A lot of people will supplement their traffic with PPC until the organic builds That's up. Right. You can do the exact same thing if, you, if, you're, if you're dead set on buying links, maybe do it in the beginning until you can build your organic strength so you can wean yourself off the page. Stay tuned, the final minutes of the Black Hat White Hat SEO panel from AFCON 2010 Denver when we return. You're listening to the SEO Rockstars, exclusively on webmasterradio.fm. What is this? Why is my website not ranking higher? Sounds like you could use a link building report from SEOfox.com. What's that? You can't rank without good backlinks. And SEOfox.com's link building report lets you enter domains and compare their backlinks. It gives a detailed report that shows you why each domain ranks where it does, and it reduces the time it takes to find more links. With SEOfox.com's link building report, you can find more links, use their search marketing services to find more links, or better yet, they could even build your own backlinks. So you think you're pretty sly with that SEOfox link building report. (laughs) Sly like a fox. Get your link building report today at seofox.com. That's seofox.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Hi, this is Joel Kamm. I want to take a moment to tell you about a revolutionary new theme for WordPress that's going to change the way you make websites. It's called the Socrates theme, and it is the number one WordPress product on ClickBank. You can see it in action right now at SocratesTheme.com. The Socrates theme has a ton of options for customizing your site, but what really makes it stand out is the ability to monetize your site instantly just by entering your ClickBank or AdSense IDs right inside the theme. That's right, there's no plugins needed. Go check it out now at SocratesTheme.com. CEO Coach, Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Let's get back to jamming and spamming with the SEO rock stars exclusively on webmasterradio.fm. Welcome back. Here's more of that Black Hat White SEO panel from AFCON 2010 Denver here on SEO Rockstars. Now, a lot of 
us first-gen folks and even the second-gen folks, we were steeped and gained our knowledge in this space by playing the PPC game. And when I say PPC, I don't mean pay-per-click. I mean porn, pills, and casinos. Porn, pills, and casinos. That's what people want. Now, do they still want your products and services? Absolutely. Right? But the intent of that user is going to go into the search box every time. Your task is to find out what that user's intent is. If you can connect those two dots, you're going to make a ton of money as long as you're able to float to the top. Now, who in here knows what cloaking is? See some hands. How many of you cloak today? <laughs> that hand went really flat fast. I like that. Okay, so some of you are still doing this. Um, I used to cloak myself, all right? What is it? All right, let me define that for you. Um, Pierre kind of spoke to it in, in a crude fashion. There's several different ways of doing this, and there's off-the-shelf technology by two gentlemen that I can speak to that have been, that they've made this their sole business, okay? Uh, one is Phantomaster, the other is John Hurd. And John Hurd is really kind of the grandfather of this. Between those two gentlemen, they have a massive database, if you combine the two, of IP addresses, which it still doesn't help when they come in off the dial-ups. That's still a pain. But the, the, the idea here is, is let's create a page that is highly optimized for the engine. But then let's go create a second page that is just a beautiful splash landing page for the end user. The one for the engine is ugly. It's predominantly all text. In 1996, I ranked number one for every single search term that you could possibly imagine for Viagra. I owned it for over a year. And every, you remember that? It was really hot. I kind of enjoyed it. When I did sessions like this, I put my stats up. They were real-time stats. I'd talk about it a little bit. I'd go and refresh the page, and we will have made like another $5,000 in two minutes' time while I was talking, right? That site was cloaked. At an SES, at an SES San Fran, I sat, I raised my hand. Anybody in here remember Excite? Excite told me in front of this entire room, cloaking was impossible. There was no way it could be done. The, as he was saying that, we were typing in Viagra, and there it was, all right? Ugly, nasty, single white page with black text on it. That was it. The technology allowed me to feed the engine what it wanted and to show the user what they wanted. Now, the engines don't necessarily concur with this. They want to see the same thing you're sending to the user, right? So there's been a lot of debate over the years on the relevancy of cloaking. When is it appropriate? When is it not? BMW was banned for cloaking. They got that fixed pretty quick, but they themselves were banned for it. Marshall, 
when do you think it's appropriate to cloak? I don't. It's not appropriate. It's against the webmaster guidelines. And so all the engines say that if you do that and they find out, they're going to kick your site out. They did it to BMW Germany. Flash sites? Flash sites are different because you're sending it. You, well, you could actually do two different things. You can have an HTML version and a Flash version, which is what we do at the Times. We have to create two different versions of a page because Flash can't be crawled by a search engine, and so therefore it's useless. And so we have to create a completely different site um, that's just, just pure HTML. And so we'll bring the users in through an HTML site, through an HTML link, and then we'll, we'll, we will render the Flash. Uh, we've done that on our, a, a big, if you're, if you're interested, you can go see the two different versions of the New York Times site. It's the China Rises section or, uh, segment that we did last year. It sucks. It's a pain in the butt. You have to make two different versions, but Flash sucks, but you just have to work around it. So Matt Cutts actually says cloaking is okay as long as you do it for a legit reason. And, uh, yeah, define, reason could define be, legitimate. So it could be like geotargeting based on a zip code. You want to show a different page. Um, could be based on the keyboard. Based on the keyboard, you want to show a different page. Whatever your purpose is. Maybe it's geotargeting, whatever you're selling. Uh, so certain times it's okay. But if you're only doing it to get search in your rankings, then it's not okay, obviously. But... Given having said that, there has been sites out there that Google have let get away with this technique. Major sites out there, you know, Fortune 500 companies. So go figure. Let's re let's make sure we define cloaking a little bit more succinctly. Cloaking you're talking about is very very on the left side of things. I mean, you're you're creating a completely separate page. It's the dark, the dark side. side. There's a lot of versions of cloaking that happen that are not on the dark side and they're actually That's approved right. by Google. I mean, there's a if you go to the webmaster tools videos on YouTube, there's an entire video on there about cloaking where they talk about you can do this, you can do this. They show how they cloak on Google. Google cloaks. So it's like, you know, it's not, if you're doing it for the right intent, right. it's not an issue at all. I mean, I, th I think, Marshall, you had an issue a few years ago where, yeah, you, knew, you know, someone's going to bring that up, didn't you? Well, yeah, we did. We, we had uh, the paywall up. Uh, we were successful. The SEO team was successful in bringing it down, but we did have the paywall up where we, we were utilizing first click free. Well, a lot of the SEO people didn't understand what first click free was about, which is IT, IP detection, which is you see, you see Google come in, you send them to all your content. And that's fine. They can index it. So, they, so when you search on a particular war, um, a civil war archive that we may have, when you come to the page, you just get a slight snippet. You get, a, you get a, a doorway page that basically says if you want the whole article, you have to pay for it. Well, Google has a program called First Click Free. Well, as soon as the SEO people community found out that we were doing this, which was a, a, a program that Google actually started and, and one that's completely on the up and up, they about it and said, why do we get to do this? Why do, what's available to any publisher? Anybody can do it. You have to show the first click free and then everything behind that you can put behind a paywall. Um, that's probably what you're going to see. You're going to see when media and when publishing starts to move behind the wall, and they're going to move behind a wall. Um, you're going to see all different types of these kind of programs coming out again, whatever that may be. Google will put out some. I mean, I'm, I'm sure even, um, even uh, uh, Bing is going to have some too coming out. You got to watch that. Um, okay, so there, there are instances here that, that you need to be aware of. This is why we call this panel Shades of Gray. You really have to do your research to know what's going to be. Um, and that's, that's as far as we typically go, and it's gotten us pretty far. Uh, we, do, we, we basically keep our nose clean for the most, well, I guess for, for all of it, actually. So again, uh, Google keeps changing their criteria. 
uh, every year some new techniques come out, or and then every year, the year later, Google says you can't do this anymore. So you gotta stay on top of it, and you gotta also be ahead of the game. If you think it's gonna be considered spam one day, don't do it. You know, just a, a good example is also like auto-generated content. There is a lot of scraping sites out there. Mm-hmm. People were getting away with that for a while, scraping content, but now Google's really tightening their filters. They're detecting that stuff. Duplicate content doesn't work, basically. If you have duplicate content out there, uh, the search engines can detect it. Automated content, somewhat like news feeds and that kind of stuff is okay, as long as your site is maybe like 90% your own content and maybe 10% is automated news, that's okay. But if you have vice versa, you have 90% automated content out there on a blog or whatever and then 10% real, then that may not be okay. So basically use your judgment on what you do, what could be considered spam or not. Um, pushing the limits, I want to agree with Marshall, it really is about pushing the limits of what you can do with the content. Um, I, I, I tend, when I look at pushing the limits on things like how am I going to deal with certain things in algorithms, it, it used to be we used to chase the algorithms as SEOs, now we try to understand the algorithms. And when you understand it, you can leverage it the way it's supposed to be leverages. Um, good example is something like Query Deserves Diversity, QDF, which is part of the algorithm, where if you have a really large head term, um, and I'll use one that everybody knows about, the term sex, okay? If you go to sex and you, ter- you type sex for Google in Google, you're not going to see a bunch of porn. You're going to see a couple of porn sites and a couple of sites on sex education, a couple of sites on, um, you know, um, advice, and, and, and it's all different types of terms and targets related to that big head term. So if you understand that that happens, then you can push the limits by saying, okay, here's a section of this term in Query Deserves Diversity that I can shoot for. Because I know that, okay, I'm not going to compete against porn, but maybe I can compete against the sex advice sites and get myself on the first page for that highly, highly trafficked term without breaking any rules or breaking, doing any black hat stuff, just understanding how the algorithm works and seeing where the opportunities are. That's how you push the limits these days. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of a turn here. Um, Affiliate links. Now, this one is something that has been a a hot topic. Um, Guys, we had on a panel here yesterday, we had Skim Links and a company called Viglink. Viglink being backed by Google Ventures. Um, Very interesting. Uh, let's say you're promoting, we won't say Amazon in Colorado. Um, <laughs> let's say you're, you're promoting something out of um, you know, a merchant that has an affiliate program. However, you're not signed up with them. You go and you sign up with Viglink, you put a piece of JavaScript on your website. When that click outbound happens, they convert the link after it leaves your site to an affiliate link and you get paid out. Now, since they're a network and they do this in bulk, they negotiate higher payouts on your behalf. So, guys, over the years, affiliate links have been problematic. With this type of system, where they're not having to physically write their own affiliate links, where do you guys stand on that? What's your opinions? I mean, you know, I've, I've actually had problems in the past from an SEO perspective where affiliates would get ranked over the main site because they were a much bigger, better site, and they'd get, the, they'd get the credit for their natural traffic. So from that perspective, 
it's, it's great. Um, I, I wish I would have been on the panel yesterday to listen to what they were saying so I could have a better understanding of what they're doing. But if they're creating clean links that they can get credit for affiliate, that can go either way. That can be one of those things where it's nice for the site, but at the same time, if they get this net, you have some affiliate that creates this giant network of sites, and now all of a sudden you've got this huge network that you're associated with that could cause you issues. So it can go either way depending on the type of market you're in and the type of affiliates you're dealing with. So I'm not sure how they're using this linking, but uh, if they're using the same path, if they're redirecting from their own domain, eventually Google will, will figure that out and also consider that affiliate link. But if they're using a u unique domain name per website, then that might be okay. Uh -huh. really depends how they use it. And you can, this is something you can even do yourself. Instead of linking to an affiliate link, you can link to a subpage of yours and then redirect that subpage to the affiliate link. That way Google doesn't see that you're linking to an affiliate link. All they see is links between your own website. Marshall, I just saw you raise your eyebrows uh, on that say, one. Because Google doesn't see, and that, of course, raises my... <clears throat> Um, I don't know what that <laughs> Not that I do that, but, you know. Just, as soon as I hear that language, obviously, that's, that's where I would have to back away slowly. <laughs> so, so we weren't going to teach you these techniques, Pierre. <laughs> so, folks, um, we've got about 10 minutes left here. Questions about things that you may be doing that you, you're wondering whether or not you're pushing the limits or not. Right back here. Yeah, um... So I, I raised my hand to, to paying for links, but I, it was just a, a trial thing. It's one of those things that's probably going to drop off soon, like you're saying. I do a lot of PPC, so that, that's going to drop off. But um, looking for ways to grow organically over the years. In certain niche markets, how do you guys feel as far as building out multiple websites that are niche-driven, keyword-specific to the, that domain, and linking back to one one site for one specific keyword, uh, all of those other sites having original content um, specific to that niche keyword, and then one link going back to my parent domain, let's say it's the master domain and, and keyword. So the question there, feeder sites, feeder sites. Let me, let me uh, take that. So I really like that idea. It's a good idea, but you've got to be careful how you do it. For example, if you have a site on cheap auto insurance and then you have another one on discount auto insurance, then that's not okay. But if you have one on Boston auto insurance and one on California auto insurance, then that's okay. So you've got to be careful how you do it. Put them on different IP addresses, too. Yeah. Put them on different IP addresses, too. Hosted, each, indi uh, each individual domain needing to be hosted on its own IP address, guys? Yeah, it's a good idea to put them on uh, unique IPs, different servers. Even Separating I mean, if, them if out of the classes. If, yes, if you're doing white hat, if you, know, you have all these different states, then you're okay on one server. That's okay. But if you're going to go black hat and you want to do auto insurance just different keywords then uh, just to protect yourself then you want to do that I, i'm going to have to disagree with these guys altogether i think i don't think this is a good idea at all no i think it's a terrible idea yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. i'm so, just saying if you're going to yeah. do it if you're going to so, do it put them on different ip addresses i totally agree so so if you're going to spend all that time and money to build these extra sites then you're going to have to put some more time and money building links and building authority of these sites to make the links from those sites valuable enough to point to your site mm. why not do that all on your main site build a section of content on your main site 
spend that time and money to build deep links to that section on your site and strengthen the whole site overall instead of just having all these little microsites that I'll call all this extra work just to get yourself some inbound links. But you already have to get inbound links for these, so it's like yeah. you're duplicating your effort. If, it's, you, it's, if you could choose between the new, the new pure cane sugar Coke and the high fructose corn syrup Coke, take the, corn, take the, canes, the cane sugar, right? Because it's better. They're both bad, but this one's better. I mean, because the Times always likes, they say, we want to develop this new real estate site. We want to put it over here and start from scratch. Well, why would you do that when you can build it under the, the host domain, the main domain, and build up Drake over time? Well, I, I kind of disagree, disagree with that because the reason you're setting up niche sites is because you can get them ranked easier. Mm. Uh, uh, one mega site, uh, you're probably not going to end up ranking for a thousand keywords out there. You're going to have to set up niche sites to get those rankings. So, subdirectories, guys, or third-level domains. Subdomains are good, also. Yeah, subdomains good. For if you have a mega site, a better idea would be to do subdomains. They rank pretty well. For now, that, that may been, be your answer. Yeah, subdomains are going under scrutiny going, right now. Yeah, they're going to go away too. Yeah, I so I wouldn't start now with subdomains because it won't last very long. Okay, so a black hat's perspective. Do it until it doesn't work because you'll make money right up until it stops. When it stops, then you figure out what does work and you go, go, go to work on that. That's my perspective. But then how much money does it cost you to take all this st- content you put on those subdomains and all that work you did there to transfer it somewhere else? You've lost a bunch of money from all that work. Depends on what you're promoting and how that payout is because if you get in and get out fast enough, well, again, that's a black hat perspective. Right. Got another question right here. That's the high fructose corn syrup. <laughs> actually, a very related question, that, right on topic, actually. Um, been considering doing a similar sort of thing, and I'm, I'm seeing it more from a perspective of having the secondary or the, the, uh, the sibling uh, domains being more an ability, giving a, the user an ability to immediately remember a shorter URL that has a couple of prime keywords. In other words, a user, rather than having a really long tail to get drilled deeply into topical issues, can go to a keyword on, on a master site, and then on subdomains, being, being able to go into the keyword and then secondary keywords right in the URL. And so and a couple of keywords they can remember, and having a shared database that is uh, canonicalized so that the information can pull up anywhere but it's not showing up as duplicate content. You're blowing my mind, man. <laughs> we, just write, we just rewrite the URL so they're search friendly. I, uh, and I know that's not what you're asking, but that's not what you're asking, but Apache has a great rewrite function. You can utilize mod rewrite if you have ugly URLs to make sure that they're search friendly. And URLs are very important. Keywords in URLs very, very important. So if you can rewrite those to make them friendly, they're good from a user perspective as well as a search perspective, and it's easy to do. Not really your question, but that's kind of where I come in on it. Look, I can't see you, but I know you're over there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> if, if you're just putting sites up because you want domains with keywords so people remember them, it's fine if you're doing it for the users, but if you're talking about leveraging that for search, it's not going to be as effective as if you put that content into your main, main site, I don't believe. What do you guys... Uh, Think about uh, PHP redirects on websites. Is there is there anything good or bad or for what purpose? Yeah. Sorry, for what purpose? 
Well, for uh, for maintenance of uh, of the links and also to uh, uh, make it um, uh, less confusing when uh, when the user looks at the link and sees a really long link that they'll be taken to, instead they see a shorter link and then that takes them to the, the ultimate destination point. I guess that's fine as long as you're not doing it for uh, SEO purposes. That's fine. My general uh, usually if you, if you use a 301 redirect, it's probably better for that mm -hmm. purpose. Yeah. And uh, because then the really 301 redirect is saying, this link is now this other one. Go here. Yeah. My general philosophy is if you can get away with creating what you need to create without doing 301 redirects or three redirects of any kind, do it without the redirects. Because we know you're going to lose a little bit of weight, a little bit of strength with a redirect. It's say if you have a link coming into the page that redirects, that link's not as strong as if it came directly to the page. So, and the more you redirect, the more you, you weaken yourself that way. Especially if you put, definitely don't do redirect over redirect over redirect. I think the limit's like two, and then you're dead pretty much. Yeah. Uh, we have run out of time, but before before we dismiss, I, David Ogletree, could you just stand up and face this way for me? Uh -oh. Look at look at his back. <laughs> okay, it's all about the links. I would say that if you had to walk away from here today with a takeaway, you really need to be thinking about your keyword linking strategies. Do, do the research on your customers. Do not ever assume that you know the product unless you've actually built it. Do not assume that you know every word that the end user is going to use to try and find that product. So not only are you going to do your keyword research, but you're going to, to spend the time to acquire the links for those words. Never get married to your own thoughts about what people are actually using to try and find products and services on the web. Definitely do your due diligence. Marshall Simmons from the New York Times and About.com. Pierre Zorokian from Submit Express. And of course, John Carcutt from MediaWiz. Thanks for coming in. That's going to do it for this edition of SEO Rockstar. We hope you tune back in next Tuesday, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, for another live broadcast of the SEO Rockstars only on WebmasterDo.fm.